we met in, I don't know, the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, but I don't know. Does, I he remember, really remember. does he remember where? This is a question. Yeah. Blending sounds so easy. I mean, you do it in the kitchen and it's no big deal, but it, it is not easy. It doesn't just happen. Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple, Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couples Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Tess and Ricky Scott. Tess is a mom of eight boys and a grandma to nine adorable grandchildren, author of Listen Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. Tess and Ricky, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And Rick is fine. <laughs> Rick is <laughs> fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we want to get into your story and kind of how you became an author and, you know, just kind of the whole process. But before we do that, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit more? You know, like, how old are you guys and how long have you been together? Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you do for a living? Okay. You want me to start? Okay. So, uh, well, we have quite a story, I guess. So um, we're, he's a lot older than me. So he's already turned 57 and I'm still 56 um, for another whole month. And I'm going to ride that as long as I can. Um, we were married um, in 2003. Three. Is that right? Yep. And then divorced. And, and then after being divorced for three years, our, our marriage our relationship was reconciled and we dated and then actually got remarried. So that's like a huge miracle in answer to prayer and just amazing. Just amazing. Wow. Wow. What an awesome story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you tell us the story of how you guys met? Oh, go ahead. Uh, we met in, I don't know, the late nineties mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, but I don't know. Does I he remember? Really remember? Does he remember where? This is a question. Yeah. This is a in trick. Sarnia. In Sarnia. I yeah. Remember that. We yeah. were we were taking um we were not together yet and we were taking foster parenting classes. Oh. So we were doing that. We were right. both foster parents. So yeah, we met there initially the first time. So what invited you guys to take foster parenting classes? I don't know. <laughs> really, I don't know. Like it's because it went once we did it, like it was really, really hard. Yeah. You know, we had no idea, you know, what yeah. that would be like, especially when you have kids. Right. I, I think it's, and it wasn't suitable for the age of the children that we fostered wasn't suitable for having the same age kids because they require so much attention. Yeah. Um, it failed. Like, and, and that's why I think that's why it fails a lot. Um, 
Yeah. Unless you're the right people. But a couple of kids that we had um, ended up in another home that had teenage girls and they fit in beautifully, right? Because they got the attention they needed. Yeah. Um, Plus they come with, you know, so much, so much emotional baggage, I think, just based because they're in foster care for a reason, right? It's not like, um, you know, the, the children's age is taking kids away there. There's a reason why they're in that position. So um, it was pretty tough. Yeah. 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 It was rough. It was rough on our own kids. And I think I wanted to do it because I grew up, my aunt and uncle were foster parents. And so my friends were foster kids, you know, um, and they kind of came and went and you think like, oh, I could help kids. There was a really need um, back then, like this is in the nineties. And um, so you want to help, but we learned a lot from that. Like Rick said, to the detriment of our kids, sometimes, you know, it, it was hard on them. It was really hard. Yeah. I think there's a fantasy about, you know, everyone just needs a hug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is it's way more than that. Um, and were you guys single people at the time? Yeah, no, we were married at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like we learned from it. So it's important. I, I often think like, is there any, is, is it important to look back? Like, I don't want to look back unless I'm looking back and learning from that. Like the value is in going forward, right? And thinking, okay, so I learned from that. Hopefully there was good things came out of it. And, you know, we helped those kids and whatever we learned, we grew through it and and we're looking at the future. So yeah, I'm thankful. I'm still thankful for that time. And we've been through so much, right? Like mm-hmm. our, our, our marriage and we really want to help other people. And that's part of writing and sharing our story is helping people that are coming along behind us, you know, and giving them hope. How old were you when you guys first met? 37. Yeah. Yeah. 37. Yeah. Seven, yeah. 36. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Thank you. That's right. What age are your kids now? Um, our oldest son, like we have a blended family of eight boys. Okay. So um, our oldest son is 37 and our youngest son is 18, almost 19. Oh, yeah. 19. So it's, it's a freak show but we had five teenage boys at one time in our house. Like that is a lot of milk. That's what that is <laughs> a lot, a lot. And we also, we adopted, we adopted a special needs boy and you know, there's, it's just like, <laughs> it was a freak show. There was days, you know, there was always, wrestling on the kitchen floor and, and deciding who, who kind of is the leader in the family of the kids. That's how boys like do things. I don't know how girls do things because I'm barely a girl. Like I don't even know girly stuff, but the boys like after supper, like wrestling on the kitchen floor and who can take who for the pecking order in this family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lots of of family of six, I have six brothers. Yes. And two sisters. There's a really big gap between the last two, but the first seven of us, it was five boys and two girls. And um, we were kind of treated all the same. So all the yeah. wrestling was happening either way. There's yeah. always the competition. Maybe yeah. at a certain point we got a little weaker and then had to be more creative. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you think there. Yeah. But yeah, it is. It's a, it is a, an interesting thing and you don't really realize it when you're in it. And there's a movie called, I think it's Parenthood with uh, Steve Martin. And he's, mm. got, or maybe it's Cheaper by the Dozen. One of those. Know. And I remember them showing breakfast and this big assembly line with loaves of bread and 
you know, yeah. dozens yeah. of eggs. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you get that because you had also had a huge family. So yeah. And it's great now. I mean, we love it. You know, that now they're mostly grown up and are married with kids. And so when we get all together at Christmas or um, in the summertime, there's 24 of us and it's a big, it's, it's amazing. It's a great, it's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what was it about each other that you fell in love with in the beginning? Hmm. Um, in the beginning, I would say it would be her um, humor. Um, and, you know, besides obvious like attraction, but um, like, yeah, her humor mostly. Um, she was easygoing, you know. Um, well, yeah, she was easygoing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh he's gonna have to be to raise eight kids yeah 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 Yeah, that's that's about it yeah Mm -hmm. um in a nutshell there's probably more i can't think of anything off the top of my head but uh, yeah 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 and what what about him well done rick's fun i love like i just love hanging out with him and he's funny and like we play tons of games we're big game people not video games but like board games so we spend tons of, we're not, don't watch TV that much, but we spend tons of time, like just doing stuff together, playing games together, which was great because that's what we did when we had all the boys, you know, we didn't have a huge amount of money, but, but we played settlers of Catan every single day for over a year. Like we were always just hanging out and doing stuff together. He's fun to be with. So in the beginning, obviously it was very different than the way things are today. What were some of the things that were roadblocks for you guys that led to you guys splitting up for a bit? Okay. Oh, well, um, well, we were together for quite a while before we split up. Um, like 10 years. Like 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of the roadblocks were that we didn't learn from our first marriages. Um, so there was baggage. There was, uh, we weren't, we didn't know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. um effectively you know mm-hmm. um and the communication part was probably the biggest thing because after i say that i can't think of anything else yeah like that you know really is the the crux of everything in in being in a marriage um and so when in the time that we weren't together we both learned how to and i think independence too right mm-hmm. like how to how to just be um uh independent even in your own even in a relationship right uh because i think a lot of the a lot of the problems maybe i had was um spend, being able to spend time with my own my own two boys as much as i love all my kids um mm-hmm. at the time they were they were younger they're much obviously young and um it was difficult to have time alone with just them and i didn't know how to express that mm-hmm. without either hurting tests or hurting the other kids Mm -hmm. right because they had their own they they had a father too right like it wasn't like he was absent so um so that caused issues right um and so what i learned in the time we were apart was that you how how important communication is and um how it's important to be able to uh say an issue, right? Without fearing um, a negative reaction, mm-hmm. even though there may be one. Like some, like for example, just today, um, and it's funny because just today there was uh, she went to the store, and we have a 
a pool and she bought glass uh, soda, pot, like we call pot, uh, root beer. And first thing I thought was, oh no, we can't have glass at the pool, right? Because if it breaks, then there's glass everywhere. So, but I wanted to wait until after this podcast <laughs> to bring it up because <laughs> I didn't want her to like, and then, and then she brought it up before she, she like, oh, actually, oh, we should, we can't have glass at the pool, right? But, and I was like, oh, I was going to mention that after the show, <laughs> um, you know, and not that she would have been upset, no, but in our old life, right. And not that it would have made her upset, but something like that, if, if a, per, if you say something minor, like that is a minor, minor thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you say something and that person reacts inappropriately, not overreacts, but re- reacts inappropriately, then when something bigger is out there, you're not even going to say anything. Right. You're just either going to dump all the glass jars or glass <laughs> bottles or figure out a way around it without having to bring it up. And then that's where you end up in that. And that's where we were, right? Yeah. Like, Do you feel that like if you could have found the words or found a way to communicate it, that it might have not led to you guys splitting up for a bit? Hmm. I don't know if I, well, I can answer if I can answer. Okay. I don't know if I would have learned that. Right, right. Because um, sometimes it takes uh, getting the rug pulled out from under you to to kind of wake mm-hmm. up to to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the time to in the and in going back to the independence thing, um, in the time that we were apart, she became very independent, and I noticed that first when we first started. Uh, getting back together um I really noticed that independence right away like mm-hmm. totally different uh person now we're a blended family and you know in the beginning of our marriage you know there's that transition period so it's very very difficult right? mm-hmm. I was wondering if you know becoming a blended family and that transition in the beginning contributed to some of that communication breakdown absolutely I think that when you, I don't know about you, but I'm going to say when we got together and we were going to blend our family, like it's blending sounds so easy. I mean, you do it in the kitchen and it's no big deal, but it, it is not easy. It doesn't just happen. And like Rick's son and my son were best friends before, like before we got married. So that seems like that would be the easiest thing possible, but it wasn't all that easy, you know? And, and I was not, um, I was not good to say to Rick, like you mentioned, like, why don't you just take your two boys, right? And go do something today. Because I would think like, well, why doesn't he want me to be with them? You know, which is immaturity and insecurity and all those things. But that's where I was at at that time. And then he didn't want to make me upset. And so he wouldn't say what he was feeling, you know, because I didn't accept it. And there was a lot of things, but we really didn't know um, what we were getting ourselves into for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's true of most couples, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that we've noticed working with couples for 20 plus years is that it's almost magical how you attract someone who knows exactly how to step on where it hurts <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you do the same thing to them. And it's always at the same time. Mm. And we have equal icebergs that kind of collide at the same time. And, you know, that's part of our work is showing people, how do you heal from that? Like you guys said, you didn't really resolve the stuff and Mm. learn from your previous relationships. So here it comes up again. Right. And we're so developmental that we, we don't know it when we're in it and you get Mm -hmm. here and you're like, how could I not have seen that? But there's so much going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's just a lot going on in life. So it's not even like that there was um, hours that we sat in silence thinking about contemplating things. I mean, it was a freak show, man. <laughs> there was kids everywhere. It was, you know, it was nuts. So, and, and Rick was working and I was working and, you know, and then I got pregnant and, you know, it was just, it was just a nuts time. So there wasn't a lot of uh, quiet contemplation ever. I don't think was, were you contemplating ever? No, no, no. There was, there was and there, there was also the fact too that um, you know uh, when we first got married, I didn't have the greatest job, mm. and so there was a time where um, uh, so I, I became a police officer at forty, and so and there was a trans about a year or a year and a half where um, I had to take a big reduction in pay in order to get that job, which would have you know, it benefited because there, you know, the income was, was better later. Um, but there was a time there where, um, you know, resources were really limited, you know, and also, so when, and then when you get that job, there's a lot to learn, mm -hmm. you know, so you've got a couple of years where, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're really learning a, a lot and exposed to a lot of things you never be, had been exposed to before, which causes, you know, mm -hmm. stress that you never even considered. Um, yeah. So there, there was that, that part of it too, right? Like where, mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of learning in my personal life and my uh, professional life. Yeah. How long were you guys separated? Uh, four years. And how did you find each other again? Well, we have it. We have a mutual child. So um, we, you know, we were, I would, I would like to say we were always in communication, but I'm not sure that that's accurate, but you know, he, he, he was a good dad. He always came in and took Hayden you know, on every other weekend and all that kind of stuff. So we were a little bit in communication about that. Rick is never a yeller. Like when we fight, you know, or whatever, he just doesn't talk. That's he's a not talker. Um, so he would maybe just not answer my text. Right. Is that accurate? Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> he's going to not answer. Um, <laughs> um, so I think he just started answering when I texted things and I thought, well, this is interesting. Well, he was going, he started going down kind of like a hard, having a hard time. True. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, like, you know, he really struggled with it, you know, having, although being grown up with kids who were stepbrothers, you know, he, he really mm -hmm. struggled with it. But anyway, he started going um, uh, through just whatever, like just uh, preteen, early teen stuff. And, um, mm -hmm. and I also had, I, I watched a program on, on, uh, what do you call it? Uh, kind of like your version of PBS. Um, and it was about uh, split people uh, who got along, right? How, how they were friends and, and, uh, um, and just a, like there were a, this one couple that they focused on were actually neighbors and they were both remarried and they were neighbors and friends. Everybody was friends and it was lovely. I get it sounded lovely, but anyway, <laughs> so I thought, well, if they could do that, well, why can't we, you know? And so I think that's kind of what hmm. kind of opened up the communication a bit um and then you know whatever, whatever like one thing leads you know you start talking more and you realize no she's not so bad you know <laughs> so um yeah you know you <laughs> you mentioned the youngest had a hard time you know with the breakup how did the other uh, children react uh to you guys splitting up yeah some it was hard it was really hard some of them yeah like you wouldn't have you didn't probably think that that would have happened. Yeah. Right? Like for me, it was a shock when I learned that, like, I was, because, um, mm -hmm. why I forget well, well, because they have a dad. Yeah. Right. So I think 
you didn't think I didn't realize the impact I was having on them. Right. Oh. Right. Because we had been married for 10 years. So he was their stepdad for 10 years, but they lived with us full time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, so, and I, yeah. yeah. And I think too, because so uh, when I was a kid, my, my parents, I, I never met my dad till I was um, mid forties or whatever. Um, and I don't, I don't, he, he since died, but uh, um, so my mom had been in a relationship for a long time uh, with a fellow. He lived with us. And, um, and when they split up, I never saw him again. And so I just thought that's the way it was, you know, that mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, either they have a dad, mm-hmm. um, I have my kids and, and we have a kid and, and, uh, and that's just the way, it, and that's just the way it was. It was like, I didn't care. And I did see them around town, you know, whatever. And it was, we were friendly and, and whatnot, but, um, um, I didn't, I just didn't realize the impact I, I mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. And how about your relationship with his kids during that time? Um, his oldest son, I still had a relationship with, and they came and visited me and things, but I, I also didn't want to make it uncomfortable for Rick. You know, it's, there is sort of, it does feel sort of like there's teams, you know, you're, are you on team mom or team dad sort of thing? And they're married and have, and at that time had two kids, I think, or th- I guess three during that time. So, um, you know, I visited them when they had kids and like, we had, a, we had a friendly relationship, the younger, the younger son, not so much because him and I kind of didn't get along back then. So I left him alone. Um, but there was no like fighting or anything like that. And we live in a small town, so you're bound to run into people. Um, but I'm really thankful that now we have good relationships with everybody. Like, and we have good relationships with our ex husbands and wives, husband and wife, or whatever you say, you know, so that's so important. It's so important. And I don't, and I just, I stress that to people all the time. Like I, all the time, like, it's just so important, important to your kids, important to you, to them to it's, it's not undoable. Like we do it. We can do it. Yeah. So how do you go from, you know, trying to coexist as co-parents to deciding, Hey, you know what, let's reunite and reconcile. Yeah. Well, the first thing was, I think, well, actually like he started answering texts and that was blew my mind, but then he came over to take Hayden to a basketball game, uh, Pistons uh, in Detroit, which is not too far from here. And then asked if I wanted to go. And I thought, what? (laughs) Okay, I'll go. So (laughs) So I went, that was weird. And, uh, and then just more conversations. And then we went out for dinner, right to a very nice restaurant, by the way. And um, yeah, and then he asked if, if I could be in his life, just, you know, can we just be in each other's lives and, and date? And, and so we decided to date, like, we didn't live together, we just dated. And we worked through a lot of things. It was a really hard, like six months of like conversations about working through everything for, for the last 10 years and just being honest. And, and, and like Rick said earlier, that was never, that was always a scary thing in our first marriage, because a you're bringing back baggage from your previous marriage, right? So maybe you've learned that if I'm honest and say something, he's going to have a fit. Or I'm going to be like walking on eggshells around that person or all those things. You bring all those things you learned into the next relationship. Even you don't know you do. Like I didn't, I didn't know I packed that bag, but I dragged it with me. Um, So we had to like unlearn all those things and really be honest and vulnerable and say like, 
but it was a good way to do it because um, we were just dating. We could, we could have said, that's it. Right. It was like, we had nothing to lose. I felt like we had nothing to lose. We're just dating. It would have, it would have been sad for the kids, but we had to do it right. We had to start at ground zero. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, that's what made it kind of easier was that, yeah, you had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Right. So I can say, you know, whatever, like, and, and Mm -hmm. just, you just got to take that Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have to say things that are hard and you're going to say things that are hard. And, um, if it's, if we can't handle it, then we can't handle it. And we've got, we've got nothing to lose. We've already got a place to live and you've got a place to live. And (laughs) mine was nicer. Yeah. How how is that different from in the beginning? And what was the, the timeframe between ending your previous marriages and getting involved and getting married? Did you have that time of dating and reflecting and. Uh, Not really. We should have had more time in between, you know, like I would, like now that I'm older and more mature and all those years of experience, I would think, you know what, it's good to have a year of not dating anyone of just being on your own and learning and growing and figuring all those things out. But when you're young and you're just starry eyed in love and, you know, all these things, it's hard to uh, accept that. I'm sure someone told me that. I'm sure lots of people probably told me that, but I wasn't going to accept that along the way. So, and that's a year after you're divorced, not just right. Right. So, and I think too, because, you don't want to put a new person through all the stuff that is entailed in a divorce, yeah. right? Cause it's ugly and not fun. And, you know, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I yeah. can't lose my train of thought, but yeah. Um, yeah. So you yeah. If you have that, if you have that time of aloneness, like where you can, you know, you're alone at Christmas, you're alone for your birthday, you're alone for whatever other important parts of your life are. Um, then you know that you can manage on your own. Right. Yeah. And then you're not scared in your next relationship. Of, of what it might be like you know to and I think th- that was also the thing too where we neglected to communicate in our first go marriage was because you know we were afraid well sh- what if she leaves me if right if I yeah. tell the truth um or if I mention this thing then she can just go right yeah because it's happened before so yeah right yeah, yeah those are uh, two motivating emotions a fear of abandonment and fear of rejection. Rejection, yeah. yeah. Huge Brutal. fears that people have and do desperate things in relationships. Mm-hmm. And fear of engulfment. And fear of engulfment too, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. you know, I like that analogy you're talking about, about packing that bag or not knowing that you packed this bag, but you dragged it into the relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Because every couple goes through this where they have to unpack their entire history with each other. And if they don't, they shy away from that and walk on eggshells. And that's, that's usually what causes the bigger problems down the road. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's for sure. It's kind of like when you walk by a, a window or a mirror and you get a glimpse of yourself and you're like, ah, because <laughs> <laughs> you're not used to seeing yourself from that perspective. And that's what, that's what our partners do is they reflect back to us things that maybe we aren't seeing or don't want to see, or it's, where it's just pretty unconscious because we're just surviving in life. And I really think too, it takes, it takes a level of, um, you you use the word maturity, but I, I don't think it's stuff you can do in your thirties. I think it takes till we're older to kind of really have that perspective, especially Mm -hmm. hormonally. I don't know how the menopause thing has impacted you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We found it to be a great time of transformation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, there's a lot of things that are easier at this age. That's for sure. 
Mm-hmm. So you said your, your youngest had a difficult time with you guys splitting up. How did you react when you both wanted to reconcile? Yeah. Well, um, I, I think he was he obviously would have been happy. Um, but I, I, we just learned like, it's still a, it's still, well, maybe not so much now, but up till geez, a year ago, I think he still was afraid it was yeah. going to happen again. Mm. You know? Um, and he didn't like, he didn't behave, uh, any differently. Like he, you know, um, but, um, yeah, he, he was still, he was still mm-hmm. afraid of, of that, uh, of that happening again, which kind of surprised me, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it shouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'd probably be afraid too. Right. But, you know, we knew where we were at. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, he, he, I guess he didn't, uh, it was just probably a constant fear. Right. Mm-hmm. Have you had any, any kids, these kind sorry? of conversations with any of the kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, when uh, we got back together, Rick met with all the kids because it like when we split up initially, it was Rick, it was, it was his fault. No, it wasn't. I don't mean that. I'm just joking around, but, but he met with all of the boys before he came back and asked for forgiveness and talked about it um, and made it right with them, which is like huge, huge. It's, it's a huge thing. It's, it's humility and like modeling that to them, like, that's a man, you know, I'm, I just love him for that. And, uh, and talk to Hayden as well. So he really. But to answer your question too, about his hard time, I think that, um, you know, what we see going on, uh, or all over, you know, in North America, Canada and the States with, with just all the craziness, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that fathers aren't involved in their kids' lives. Right. Like the, mm-hmm. and there's, and it's not, um, it's, it's too easy to, to not be involved, right? The, the courts kind of are skewed against the fathers, um, uh, you know, and, and uh, the way they portray them in a lot of movies and, and TV shows, you know, they're just doofuses. Um, and we've lost that, that importance of fatherhood to, um, to children, you know. Um, there's a lot of important things like both mothers and fathers are value, obviously valuable, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, most of the time the father's absent, right. They get them every other weekend if they're lucky. And then when they do, you know, they're financially, they're, they're struggling because, you know, once you split up, you've just cut both your incomes in half and, and doubled your expenses. So how does that make any sense? You know? Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think, I think we both, then I came, I recognized that that was, the. um, important thing that he was missing was his father how did you come to that realization you had said that it wasn't role model to you and you didn't Mm -hmm. really know any better growing up and so you know where did that realization come well i think from that you know um i still like like i had a a strong my grandfather was a, a strong influence in my life um but oddly enough when i would visit them which i visited them often especially in the summer um, I would spend most of my time with my grandmother, you know, she would kind of steal me away and I'd help her do things, but we play games and, and, uh, um, so I didn't learn things from my grandfather that I wish now I had of, cause he was very, you know, handy and, and, uh, uh, you know, could build things and fix things. And I cannot, <laughs> you know, I have two left hands and, and, um, and I, and I think the message is that 
you know, it, it's a man's job to maybe make money, but that there isn't a value in the personal relationship with the kids. How was oh. it different for you when you did live all together as a father when they were younger versus when you left and had more of that, you know, visitation type of relationship with them? Hmm. I don't know if I understand the question. Were you an were you an active father while you were married in either of your relationships? Or were you also pretty absent even? No, I, yeah, I was active, um, you know, as far as like, you know, we would do sports to get like, I would take them to sports, um, whatever sports activities they're involved in. I, you know, did, I did the stuff like that, that dads did. Um, but yeah, when you, but when you're not home, you know, then it just doesn't happen the same. It's not the same, right. You don't have that. Um, you're, you're missing things or, or you just, um, you're not seeing that that stuff up close. There's no opportunities to talk about it. They Definitely. play, you know, the kids will play one parent against another. They do that when you're in the house anyway, right? So when you're not even in the same house, imagine how they can get away with it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's why it's it's just vital that they're, the, both parents are, mm-hmm. are at home. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we notice in a lot of relationships is that if if there's an issue between the, the partners, the the mom tends to lean her emotional needs more on the kids hmm. and isolate more of the dad out because she's not getting her needs met by him. Mm-hmm. And then they don't have as much opportunity to get fathered. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, that may be what happened with my relationship with my grandparents. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Like yeah. they've been gone a long time, but um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's uh it's interesting. And just because, and just because, you know, like, for example, you take your, you, you know, my grandfather could have shown me an interest or developed an interest for me in, in woodworking. Um, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be ever interested in woodworking as a grown person, but the, the lessons that you learn from him, like just patience or, mm-hmm. um, what resourcefulness or whatever other skills you acquire from being a woodworker, other than being able to yeah. carve something or cut something, yeah. um, you can't replace that. Yeah. You know, like character traits, character traits. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, were you in law enforcement throughout your entire marriage? Mostly like well, I, we were together f- four years mm-hmm. now, but once we first got together, that's when I embarked on that, um, quest, I guess you want to call it <laughs> to become a police officer. Uh, cause it took forever. It was, it, they weren't, uh, the, um, organization I'm with, uh, weren't hiring at the time. So it was a very lengthy, you know, year long process, yeah. um, it, doing a job I, I really didn't like. Um, and, uh, but I didn't want to leave it because I didn't want to have a gap in my resume or, or look like I was, mm-hmm. um, a quitter or whatever. Right. So I kept that job, um, until I was uh, finally hired. Yeah, it was, it was pretty tight. Like we were paying our visa with our MasterCard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of law enforcement over the years and one of the, the themes that they talk about is this uh, need to keep things like, you know, being on the job and the things that they experience need to keep those, those experiences from their spouse because they don't want to burden their spouse with some of the, you know, tragic things that they witness. I was wondering how much of that may have contributed to that, you know, withdrawal or that, 
miscommunication or lack of communication in your relationship? Um, I don't know. Do I talk about it more now or less than same? The same. Yeah. yeah. I think he always, I think, I don't know. I don't know what you don't share, I guess, but I think you yeah. always share. You have the marble thing. Though. Yeah. I don't, I don't uh, share everything. You know, I'll tell her when something's bothering me now. I don't know if I would tell her mm. then. Um, like I said, just the other day, um, which is recently really where I mentioned like more often now is and things are getting like, so being a police officer where I am and being a police officer in Chicago, they're totally different things. Right. Um, so we don't have, you know, we don't have the issue with gun violence, like there's there and that kind of thing. Um, but you still, you're still dealing with difficult people and difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's getting, it's getting worse here as you know, uh, I think the lockdowns really, um, played a lot into that where, you know, people were just isolated for so long. There's a lot of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you know, there's more homelessness and, and drug abuse Drugs. is awful. Um, and so we're, you're starting to see that just in your regular life. And so I mentioned a couple weeks ago, how, um, I, I'm more often thinking about what I would, when I'm off duty, what I would do in this, if this situation happened mm. and where that wasn't a thing right. before, um, I, I usually didn't bring my job home with me. Right. Um, so, so for instance, can I just, yeah. so for instance, he's saying like sitting in church now sitting in church on his day off, he thinks, what will I do if someone bursts in the back door with a gun mm. where a few years ago you wouldn't have thought, right. Is that right. a good example of that? Yeah. yeah. Maybe not that extreme, more okay. a protester or just a vagrant, you know what I mean? Somebody who, mm. who may be very welcome there, but you know, they're, they're maybe not be acting appropriately. Right. Mm. Um, because that's happening more and more. Yeah. If you think about your, the first 10 years and then how you are now. And if, if you think about behaviors that are working on relationship times you spend together, trying new things, working through things, having difficult conversations, what would you say is the ratio of time you spent on it before versus now, or what are the other things you think are different that are leading to having more success now? I think one thing that is different is we feel, I'm going to say we, but for me, um, feel a lot more able to um, spend time alone, right? Before it was always together. Like we didn't do independent things, right? As much. Um, so now, and, and part of that too, is like, we don't have the whole raft of kids around, so, you know, um, but we feel confident to be able to just say, yeah, I'm going to go out and do this tonight. You're going to, whatever you do, you know, we like being together though. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. We like being together. So, um, it's cool hanging out and playing games and stuff, but you know, we each have our own individual lives too. So that's, that's really important. And I also think that being able to talk about things like that's, that's so huge. You can't even overemphasize that because not being able to say like feeling like you might hurt the other person's feelings or they might be mad or whatever. So you don't say it. And then that just snowballs into this big thing time after time. So those are two things that definitely are different now. Do you add to that? Rick? Uh, yeah, I would say the same um, would be the, the being able to speak my mind mm-hmm. or take it or even accept whatever's being said, mm-hmm. you know, um, like I'm, she's way more extroverted than I am. I like time alone. Um, but uh, as far as like the, 
the, the one takeaway would be the communication for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, your book, what prompted you to, you know, want to mm -hmm. write it? Well, I felt like, um, like our story, you know, just the story of the marriage and remarriage is, is big. And I mean, raising eight kids and we had a couple of kids that struggled with um, addiction. So getting them through that, we have a special needs kid who has fetal alcohol that we adopted. Um, we have, like I had a mini stroke, I've had breast cancer, like, oh my word. And um, I really felt like God wanted me to write this book or at least share my story to encourage other women that like, they're not alone, whatever's happening like someone has been through it and there's hope, mm -hmm. you know, and I can share vulnerable things because I do it with humor. And so I knew that I needed to share our story, but I didn't know what that kind of would look like. And I really didn't want to because it's vulnerable. It's crazy hard. Um, but I was, but I knew that in the same respect I had to. So I kind of wrestled with that for a while, what that would look like and started writing. And I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm not a writer. Um, well, I guess I am now I have a book, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not like, you know, I have a grade 12 education here. Um, so, but I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that I had to do it. And, um, and then at the end, or I mean, sort of like the final thing, the final straw maybe was I was, um, I had a TIA. So I ended up in the hospital, thought that I was having a stroke. My face was all cockeyed like this. And my words were all garbled. And I thought, really? Like, God, you want me to write a book, but I can't see my eyes are blurry and I can't speak. So I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so anyways, that all, you know, it, there was no lasting effects of it. I was in the hospital three days. And when I came home, I said to Rick, like, that was a false alarm. I'm so thankful. And Rick said to me, cause he's an amazing man. He said, maybe it was a real alarm. You know, maybe, you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're not doing it. And we all only have so many days on this earth. We don't know that number. And I think that you need to quit your job, write the book and he'll just work 10 years longer. That's what I did. I went to work the next day and said, yeah, I'm going to be done in a couple of weeks and, and quit. And that was April of last year. So 14 months ago. And here we are. What was that like for you, Rick? Um, yeah, it was good. Like, cause I knew, I mean, years and years ago, I used to say, you have to write a book someday about this, like, <laughs> you know, to, but you just don't, you don't, or we should be on it. This should be a, one of the, what do you call those a a reality TV show yeah. or something? <laughs> How is this not on TV? And yeah. We'll even say like now, like, are we on TV somewhere? <laughs> cause it's so ridiculous. Some of the things that, that yeah. happen even now, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I knew that, uh, you know, cause I read what she'd been writing a blog for a while. Mm. Um, and I would read them and like, she's a very good writer. Like she can paint a picture, like nobody other, no other person I've read. Um, because some of the stories, uh, that I read, I either know about them, um, or, uh, I, I don't like, they happen to me when she was a kid or whatever. Um, but she has just this way of, of just, uh, bringing you in and, and, and you can just see what's happening. Um, so I thought, okay, well, you know, I have a good job and, um, I'm healthy and um, she, needs to, she needs to do this. We need to take this, uh, this leap. I really love that because, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, there's no keeping score with teammates. And mm -hmm. when you can help your partner achieve their dreams, mm -hmm. then it's very fulfilling life. And when you feel in competition with them, it's a pretty miserable life. So that's really awesome that you guys 
were able to, you know, collectively support yeah. so that you could create this book. That's really awesome. Do you, are you concerned at all about uh, maybe your kids and, and sharing things that might be uncomfortable for them? I don't know. I haven't read your book. So in the book, mm-hmm. well, people ask me like, what do your kids think about the book? Because, and I say, well, they're all boys. So they're probably never going to know because um, <laughs> boys aren't really readers, but I did find out I had a book signing on the weekend and I found out that my, my son Cam and his wife read it together while they're driving and she reads it and he knows the story that's going to come up because a lot of them are about him. Cause he's the most awkward of all the boys. And uh, they just laugh. They just laugh. There's nothing. It's, there's serious things in the book, but they're shared with humor, right? So it's a story, usually funny or awkward. And then the lesson I learned in it, and they're all short, sort of like a chicken soup, you know, like two minutes. My brother says you should keep it in your bathroom. I don't know if I agree, but whatever it is, you can, you can read it in the bathroom while your kids are like banging on the bathroom door. Cause you only have two minutes of silence a day, you know? Um, and I just really wanted to encourage women, especially younger women, but all women that there's hope. And I think that when I was a young woman and like many, many, many years ago with kids and I connected with my friends, either in person, I saw their lives were not perfect. Right. Or on the, my rotary dial phone, you know, and I could hear their kids yelling at the background and I knew their life was just like mine. But now I think our, the next generation or this generation, they connect a lot on social. So And I say, like, if you see this beautiful house on Instagram and you think that this house with the big wreath and the pumpkin on the porch and all that is, is her life, that perfect life, like that is not truth. And if you open her front door and walk in into her living room, there is laundry on her couch, just like your house. That's real. And that's what, that's what the line should be. Like there are no perfect lives. We all live through a whole bunch of crap, but we get through it and there's hope. We have to start being honest with each other. That's so what that's I think. exactly why we started the podcast. Cause people mm-hmm. would ask us is what we are going through normal. And we're like, yep. Yes. <laughs> nobody knows that. I think even more now because we don't walk in other people's houses anymore. Like we used right. to. That's right. Exactly. And yeah. even if you did walk into their house and the front room is perfect, just look in the closet. <laughs> that's where all the stuff is. That's right. <laughs> Well, and where, when I first uh, started policing, um, I got to go in everybody's house, right? And yeah. sometimes there are people I knew um, because it's a small, like a small community, yeah. you know, relatively small. And um, and even if you go to a house, you think, yeah, these people have got a great, man, it's a mess. Like, you know, <laughs> there's very few people that really ever have it together, um, mm-hmm. despite what they will do show outwardly you know mm-hmm. um and it's a shame really because people could benefit from each other's stuff you know Honesty. um yeah. i know i've shared my stuff with guys i work with um i try to you know um sometimes it works and sometimes it's still um you know they still end up uh, apart from their spouse but um yeah behind closed doors we have heard thousands and thousands of stories and if a person has a, you know, million dollar assets and, mm. you know, living paycheck to paycheck, you yeah. know, that's not an indication of the happiness that they have in their life. No. And that's so right. we wanted to bring everyday couple stories, you know, to the world so to help people who feel alone mm-hmm. and are struggling and, and can benefit from how other couples deal with things. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. I think it's great. So last question. What is it that your partner does 
that you know they love you? Well, that's easy for me. Um, <laughs> my husband almost every night rubs my feet before bed. And I love that so much. That is like the best thing ever. Yeah, that's easy. And for me, she, I just, I'm just trying to think. Um, but uh, for me, she'll, she leaves me notes. Mm-hmm. So I'll like grab a coat from last spring or whatever. And there'll be a note in there that she put it. I didn't even know, or mm-hmm. I'll be like, when did you put this note there? Or, <laughs> you know, or I'll open up something and there'll be a note or open up the, mm-hmm. the peanut butter jar. And there's a note on the top or the bottom or in the coffee filter. Or something. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tesseract, we want to thank you so much for joining us today on couple synergy. Um, before we say goodbye, Tess, where can uh, people get a copy of your book? Oh, the book is available. Bookstores everywhere, Barnes and Noble, Chapters, um, Amazon, anywhere books are sold. Listen, sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life by Tess Scott. Wonderful. And we'll put that in the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you uh, to all our listeners for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships in this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. You know, sharing stories is a way that human beings have been bonding, healing, and growing since the beginning of time. We hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Thanks for having us on. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, our home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, and we're all out there struggling with this stuff, and it's really comforting to know other people are struggling along with us and laughing through it, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.